0: Five Keys of Authority. We're on this journey of uh, uh, reading through the book, uh, Pastor Leo Harris's Five Keys of Authority. Really, it's a a, uh, a gathering of five sermons that he did as he discovered the 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 uh, the different things around faith and around authority and around power, and uh, and he, he, it was then compiled into a book. And these five keys were up to key number three this week. And uh, you want to say that with me? Key number three the authority of the word. So last last week we looked at the authority of the believer. Um, Teresa took us through that and week 1 we looked at the authority of Christ, okay? So now we're going to look at the authority of the word. And I'm really excited. Next slide, thanks Tash. Scripture reading for this week. We will read uh 2 Timothy 3:16. It says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's bow our heads. Father, we give you glory for your word. We give you glory for our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is closer to us than a friend, who brings us into headship with him, who empowers us, equips us and gives us all authority. We thank you that in him we find acceptance and that we are made new. Thank you that the old is gone and the new has come. Today, Lord, as we read your word and as we look through this key, may we come to understand the importance of scripture in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the given by inspiration of God. In other words, it, 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 all scripture is God breathed, you would hear in another passage of scripture. Given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. From the beginning of time, the battle waged by Satan has been against the spoken word of God. He has sought to undermine it, make it irrelevant, and make it powerless in our lives. His number one weapon is, did God really say? You go back to the book of Genesis and straight away you would see that is the question that Eve received. Did God say? Pastor Leo Harris, in his book, the five keys of authority, writes of a particular crisis where he began to question the effectiveness of the word of God. He felt the principles and promises of the Bible were not his reality, as if they were just words with no meaning. They made you feel good for a time, but God's word was never able to make a real difference in his life and the lives of his congregation. that was the scene, that was what set up the ministry, I suppose, of the CRC. Coming out of mainstream uh, Christianity, there was this inconsistency in that the Word of God says, but I'm not seeing it in my life. And many, many things have happened through Pentecostal churches because of that one question. Why does it say in the Word of God, but yet it's not reality for me? This was the question on Pastor Harris's lips. Why doesn't your word work? Constantly he would ask, why, why, why? Who can relate to that? I can relate to that very, very closely. Even this last fortnight has been a really strong uh, time for me, a challenge even in my own mindset, in my own life, not for any reason other than Did God really say? That's the enemy coming into the, the, the doorsteps of your ears and just whispering. Did God really say? And you either choose to believe the lie that he's seeding into your thoughts or you choose to stand on something. Do you stand on your own two feet or do you stand upon the authority of the word which God did say? That was the example of Jesus, wasn't it? Example of Jesus when he's out led out into the wilderness. Satan came at him with scripture, and he combats it with scripture. Pastor Leo said that one night he that God spoke to him. He, he's withdrawn away into retreat, and God speaks to him. And the question is: This is what the Holy Spirit said. The question is not why; it is how. And this is a mentality shift I think we need. We've got to stop asking the question why and start asking how. There's an importance in that. How does the word work? How are you going to make it work? This is a quote from his book. Suddenly, something changed inside of me. A river of faith and assurance seemed to well up from my innermost being. A veil seemed to be torn away from my understanding and from my lips broke forth. Not the old question of disbelief, but the expressions of faith and conviction. The word works. It works by faith. And I have faith. What the word says about God is true. What the word says about me is true. What the word says I am in Christ, I am. In Christ, what the Word says, I can do through Christ, I can do. The difference in this question is not, why can't I make it work? It's, by faith, the Word works. By faith, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. By faith, not, ha- not why is that not happening but how do I apply it in my life? And so in these and similar expressions, Harris continues, I gushed forth the deepest convictions of my heart. I believed and I knew that I believed. My prayer is that God reveals this to you today. This same conviction, God's word works. Faith, creates the environment for the authority and power of God to become real here and now. If you are having a crisis in your own life, a crisis of unbelief, it is faith that will create an atmosphere around you for the word to become effective. God says, My word will not return to me void So it's not that God doesn't work, it's that there's something that's stopping the work to be effective in our life. And we need to create that environment for it to apply to us. The next slide, Hebrews 11.1, 1, will say, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I did a little bit of investigating. Faith is the assurance, some synonyms for you for assurance. Faith is the declaration. Faith is the guarantee. It is the promise, the oath, the assertion of things hoped for. These are words that can be applied in this exact text. Faith is the promise, and by faith the promise is reality to me and to you. Synonyms for the word conviction. The conviction of things not seen. Faith is the opinion, the belief, the persuasion, the verdict or the sentence of things not seen. When a judge hands down a sentence, it is final. Even through appeal, if the sentence is a just sentence, it cannot be repealed. So therefore, faith is this very concept, the assurance. It is the promise of God for me that the very thing that he says is my reality. And we need to step into his reality and not ours, which is why. Why? Why am I feeling depressed today? Why? Why am I fighting with my kids? Why? Why am I arguing with my neighbor? Why? Why am I financially struggling in this moment? Instead of saying, how, Lord? How does your word become effective in my life that I may look to you in all of these situations and circumstances and apply your truth as my reality? If we believe victory and revival come only through the delegated authority of Christ to us, which has been our catch tag, then we must have faith that Jesus has revealed this to us in his word so we can affect it in our own lives. Faith says, this is an old Tony Smith's quote. Some of you might remember Tony. The word declares it, I believe it, and that settles it. That's what faith is. It's as simple as that. The Word declares it, I believe it, and that's a done deal. It settles it. The enemy cannot come back at you at that because your faith is cemented in the faith of God, the very words of God himself. If the Word says it, it's unshakable. Faith creates the environment for the authority and power of God to become real here and now. I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to you today. Because each day we have to make a decision to stand on faith and not by feelings. A decision to stand upon conviction and not by what is happening around us. Faith says what God says about you is true. You are born of God, a new creature in Christ, indwelt by Christ, and you can do all things through Christ. Your feelings may tell you that you are defeated, frustrated, struggling against overwhelming odds, but the word says you are more than a conqueror. You are a devil defeater, a master in all circumstances and standing on the threshold of unlimited possibility. In Christ and through faith in the word, you are more than a conqueror. Take our uh, faith takes our focus off of our lack, our ability and our potential and focuses, focuses it squarely upon God, on his ability, which is an ability that is limitless in all his ways. By the word of God he spoke and there was light. From nothing came something. To have faith in God's word, we must first understand a little more about it. So it becomes the unshakable foundation to our faith. This is the third key of authority, the key of the authority of the word. There's a few points. Firstly, the next slide, the word of God has divine authority. It is creative. In Genesis 1, God spoke authoritative words. Let there be, and there was, was the answer. It was the authority of God that put everything into motion. By the word of God, it came to be. Let there be, and it was. The world around us, all that we see is a byproduct of the authority of the word of God. Let there be plants, trees. Let there be a separation from the land and the water. Let there be creatures in the water. Let there be animals that fly in the air and creep along the ground. Let there be, and there was, It was the authority of God that put it into practice. Jamie will like this one. Evolution is not a challenge on God's power and ability, but a direct challenge on the authority of his word. See, if the enemy can challenge the very authority of the word of God, he's got you in his little hand. If you don't believe what God says is faithful and truth, then you are undermined and you will fall into the trap and ensnared every time. Either God's truth is reality or it's not. And if he can undermine you by getting you to believe a concept of man, then he's got you where he wants you. Either God created and it was, Or God said and it was? Or after billions and billions of years, out of much destruction, God brought about humanity? Which one is it? I don't know. But I know what God's word says, and I will put my faith squarely in that. God made man and immediately brought him under the authority of his word. Do you know this? In Genesis 2.16, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man. Straight away. It wasn't he suggested to the man. It was the Lord God commanded. Straight away, after breathing into his nostrils, he commanded the man and brought him under his authority and rule. In the uh, the coming age, Christ will rule by the authority of the word. Revelation 19.15, I think it's up there. From uh, From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, Revelation 19.15. You can see this also in Isaiah 11.4. In the age to come, it will be the word of God that will bring the judgment of God upon the creation of God. Yet from creation to the millennium, God's word is constantly under attack. To Eve, Satan questioned, has God said in Genesis 3? We only need to have a quick look at the news, read an article either online or in a magazine, or listen to those who try to influence the world to see that it is God's word that is in question. Even long-held views of sanctity of life, what is right and wrong, the moral standard, and even who should be able to marry are in question because of the subtlety of this challenge. Did God really say? And do you actually believe it? Either God said it or he didn't. If it's written in his word, it is the inspired word of God. It is God-breathed and it needs to be applied through God's faith system in our lives. Pastor Harris writes in his book, But the authority of God's word is backed by his very character, his eternal throne. It stands unshaken and unquestionable by the onslaughts of devils and men. Though heaven and earth pass away, the word of God will prevail through countless ages to come. God's word is eternal. Whether we believe it or not, it will still remain in effect. And I think this is part of the challenge when it comes to evangelism. I think this is part of what we as a church actually need to settle in our own selves. If we are going to be effective evangelists for Christ, we actually have to believe that God's word is the authority of all eternity. Here and now there is something for every person and it comes through the authority of his word. And if we take it seriously, we will take his command seriously to go into all the world and to preach the good news. The second I want to put up there for us is the word has divine power. So if the first is the word has divine authority, the word also has divine power. James tells us that the tongue, the very words that we speak, have the power of life or death. From the same mouth comes words that bless or words that will curse. Words that will uplift or words that will tear down. Life lesson in this. Luke 1.34. Thanks, Tash. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. So an angel comes to Mary and and says that she has found favor in the sight of God and that she's going to bring forth God's Son into the world. How can this be? Since I am a virgin, she says. Verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. Hear the faith statement in that? Hear the faith in what Mary says. If this is something as a messenger from heaven has come to say about me, then let God's word be creative in my life, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, she says. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Nothing is impossible with God. And a literal translation of this verse says, No word of God shall be void of power. God declared it. It was going to happen. Pastor Leo says in the book, No wonder Mary responded, May it be to me as you have said. The angel had declared a promise requiring supernatural fulfillment and the word of God has in itself the supernatural power to materialize. God said, and there was. God says to you, by way of a promise, by the blood of Jesus, you are forgiven. We respond, Lord, I don't understand how. God responds to us, No word of God shall be void of power. And our response should be, May it be to me as you have said. The lesson of Mary is one that we must take into our lives almost daily. Because if you don't, the challenges will pull you down. The challenge is to effect what God says about you. And if you could stand on the authority of his word, the power of his word will see you come into victory. Let's try it out. 1 Peter 2, 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed The declaration over your life when you wake up sick in the morning is not, I am sick, it is by his wounds I am healed. You want to test the authority of God's word and the power of God's word, you have to place it into the seedbed of faith. The reality is you've got a cough. The reality is you might have a migraine. And you might need to look after yourself and have a little bit more water or something like that. But faith says, my God is an overcoming God. And in God, I am more than a conqueror. And this headache will not pull me down. This cough will not see me go under. By his wounds, I am healed. We need to be careful what we say out of our mouth. Because the very first thing we say has either the creative power for your miracle, or to undermine your faith? What are you saying, Philippians four six? Do not be anxious about anything. Who's anxious this morning? I can be anxious. It's not a, it's not a crime to be anxious. It's an emotion. It's a feeling. It's what we go through. It's okay. But God's word says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. I think we forget that one sometimes. Present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can I get a time check? I think that clock's stopped. It hasn't stopped. Praise the Lord. I thought I'd gone longer. Hallelujah. Because my, one of mine stopped, the other one's still going. But it says 12 o'clock, and I thought I haven't been talking that long. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yet, hallelujah. Who said that? Barry. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Isn't that a foundational scripture for us to grab? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You're feeling anxious. You're feeling sick. You're feeling like you haven't got enough money to pay that next bill coming in. Don't be anxious about it. Trust in the Lord. A way will be made. A door will be opened. Why? Because you. he says it, you believe it and it will happen. I I think we actually have faith but we don't exercise our faith. Like Seriously, even in my own life, there are times I need to pull my bills out and put them on the table and believe that every one of them is paid because my debt is paid in Christ. And that's not taking it out of context because God wants me to prosper. He wants me to prosper just as my soul prospers. You can read that in 3 John 2. So so if that's the case, then I shouldn't be anxious about what I need to pay. I need to be coming to God in prayer with thanksgiving in my heart and open up to the power of the Word of God to change my circumstance and my situation. But you see, the enemy will challenge you in that one thing. Did God really say? And then... You've got $3,000 worth of bills over here and you get your wage coming in over here and you're like, my tithe, I need it to pay this bill this week. And he's undermined your very faith that God is the provision of all your needs. You see, that's how subtle the enemy is. He just quotes scripture at you or he says a word of doubt and all of a sudden, your world around you crumbles because he's undermined your faith. A third point, Jesus combined both authority and power of the Word of God. We see the example in Jesus himself that the Word of God is both authoritative and full or, or uh, filled with power. When Jesus cast out the unclean spirits from a man in the synagogue, the people were amazed and they exclaimed in Luke 4.36, all the people are amazed and said to one another, what is this teaching? With authority and power, he gives orders to the evil spirits and they come out. Do you see it? Do you see it in your life? The words of Jesus contain not only the authority of God, but the power, life, energy, and ability of God. It is the dunamis of God from three weeks ago. It is the dynamic power, the dynamo, the self-sustaining power of God is seen in his word. You see that in Jesus when he's hungry and he goes up to the fig tree and there's not a fig on it. There should be a fig on this tree. It is in season, but there's not a fig on it. It's not producing fruit. So Jesus curses it and it shrivels and dies. Not only did Jesus have authority over that tree because of the creating ability of who he was, he had the power to make it come about. Mark 4.41 says, They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Remember, Jesus is asleep on the boat. He's at perfect peace. And they're going through a torrential storm. It was a horrific event. The disciples thought they were going to die. And Jesus' question to them was, where is your faith? He'd already told them that they were going to cross over. The authoritative word of God had already said they were crossing over. Where is your faith? Where is your faith to believe that what Jesus said is reality? If they had understood what I'm teaching here in today, they would have had the authority to calm the storm. Do you understand that? It's not a it's understanding a, a faith what you are who you are, what God says about you, and moving from the position that will affect what God is doing in and through your life. You will change the environment around you if you guard what you say with your lips. The fourth one for today. So if Jesus combines power and authority in an example for us to follow, The fourth one is the word of authority and power is then given to us. Jesus spoke in his word in John 14, verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Moreover, he gave them to us in John seventeen eight. in the same time frame of the John 14. He says, For I have given them the words that you gave me, praying to God. I have given them the words you have given me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. If we don't believe that Jesus came from God, that Jesus died upon the cross in our place to wash away and cleanse us of all sin and on the third day rose again, then we are not saved. By faith we come into the power of salvation. By faith it is the same principle we walk out our salvation. We work it out with fear and trembling by faith. It's the same principle. If we can believe that by faith we are saved, then we can believe by faith we can appropriate the call of God in our life through the very power and authority of the delegated word of God by Jesus himself. What words do we speak? Do you look with your own eyes or with the eyes of faith? Do we speak with conviction God's word or from a position of unbelief, of doubt, of fear? These words of God are given to us. We too may use them. We must speak them and live in the power and authority of them. This is the key to victory a key of authority, we have the privilege to apply in every situation. It must become who we are in every situation. It's not pride. It's not arrogance. It's not positive thinking. It is faith that will see you have victory. Victory and revival come only through the delegated authority of Christ to us. The word of God will justify us, heal us, empower us, and give us the victory in every situation. Do we believe this? The last final point, point five. When we unreservedly accept the authority of God's word, we shall also prove its power. God says it, I believe it, and that settles it. It's not you putting your hands on someone and healing them. It is you putting your faith on someone and seeing the power and authority of God's creative word do a miracle through you. But it is still 100% you and 100% God. It's not humility to say, I didn't heal that person. It is humble to accept what God says about you and to appropriate that on their life. If Jesus can do it, so too can you. That is your right as a son in God. But yet we reject it by our very false humility that we have. I didn't do that. Yes, you did. Because if you didn't, that person wouldn't be healed. Or if you didn't go and share the gospel, that person wouldn't have come into salvation. Or if you didn't put your 10% in the bucket, that whole congregational side there wouldn't have come to God. Like It's the same principle. Oh, I didn't do it. Where does that come from? Either we accept it and believe it and settle it, or we undermine the very faith of God in our lives. Why doesn't the word work? Harris said. Surely the question should be how does the word work? Why seems totally irrelevant, almost like an echo from Eden. Hath God really said? That night, as I paced placed the floor with an open Bible, it seemed God was saying to me the moment you unreservedly accept authority of my word, you will experience its power. Mentally, I accepted the authority of the word, but my heart had struggled and staggered before its challenge. Jesus is an imposing challenge, isn't he? If we are to be Christ to this world, that's imposing. That's like very difficult. But if the word declares it, we got to start activating it in our own thoughts. But now I knew that the moment our hearts unreservedly accept the authority of the word, it will work. It may not immediately, but it immediately becomes a creative and productive factor in our lives. The God who, with all authority and power, said, Let there be light, and there was light, has also said, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Ephesians 6.12 For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And we've just uncovered his tactic. By undermining the word of God, he keeps us downtrodden. A downtrodden Christian can't walk in victory. Amen? Ephesians six seventeen, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. In concluding today, I want to invite you to stand with me. Right now, the devil is saying to you, "It's not that easy. This is just hype. You're a mature, grown-up person, and and this is all hocus pocus." God's word doesn't work today. It finished with the closing of the book of Acts. What a load of rubbish. I've seen too many things to believe that rubbish. If his ploy is to steal and kill and destroy you, buying into that kind of jargon will it do that and eventually you will give up on God. That is a real Life challenge. What I want to do right now is invite you to close your eyes. I got this from Pastor Rodney. A long time ago he shared this word. I want you to picture a sword. Whatever that sword may be. It might be a big broad sword. Double-edged sword like it says in the word. Word. It might be a light on your feet little ninja. It might be a samurai sword. Whatever type of sword you're picturing right now. It might be a lightsaber. You might think you're one of them Jedi people out there. As I read these scriptures, I want you to take up your sword and I want you to wield it in your mind's eye. Picture the things that you need to stand up against. Picture the sickness in your life and attack it with the word of God, the sword of the spirit. Picture the financial breakthrough that you require. Picture the personal discouragement that you've gone through. Maybe picture the lie that says you need to be happy when In fact, you actually need to be full of joy. There's a massive difference. As you wield the sword, as you need to, you need to declare yes to whatever the promise is you hear and you wear. Yes, I am healed. Yes, I am free. Yes, I have breakthrough. Yes, I will crush the enemy's head under my feet. 1 Peter 2.24 says, By his wounds you have been healed. Do you believe it? Because God's word says it. Right now as you thrust that sword, that will settle it. Yes, I am healed. 2 Corinthians 5.17, You might be a new crete. A new Christian, you might need to hear this for the first time. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the enemy uh, sorry, the old has gone, the new has come. That means the enemy can't bring up your past anymore because the Adamic nature is dead in Christ. And you are raised with Christ and seated in heavenly realms by the good word, the good utterance of God. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Romans 16.20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Come on, you tell him to back off because he's a defeated foe. Romans 8.37, no, in all these things we were more than conquerors, or we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Does God love you this morning? Does not John 3.16 say, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life? If that is a word for you this morning, accept that, take that, embrace that, because that is your faith. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Personalize that. Made, sin, made him who had no sin be sin for me, so that in him I might become the righteousness of God. You're not good enough, says the enemy. Look at that sin you just performed. How can you look at God right now? I am the righteousness of Christ. You pick up that sword and you stick it straight through his heart. That's what Jesus did. Philippians 4.19 And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We need to learn to bow humbly before the word of God and then stand in its power and go forth. God declares that the old you with its limitations, deception, and defeat, is dead, crucified with Christ. Believe it, it is so. God declares that you have been raised to a new life in Christ, complete in Christ, indwelt by Christ. Believe it, it is so. God declares you can do all things by the power of Christ in you. Believe it, it is so. A thousand thoughts may arise in rebellion against the authority of his word. But God said, it is so. This is the key to victory, to healing, to deliverance, to the supply of all your needs. Believe it, for it is so. Father, right now across this house... We want to be open and exposed before you. And as I prayed this morning, we want to run to you because you are our hiding place. You are our shelter in the time of need, our strong tower when it seems like everything is against us. But We want to be open and exposed to you this morning and to do so, Lord, we want to say sorry and we want to repent before you which means to change the way we think about ourselves and believe what the word says and let it be so. Father, forgive us. From this moment, draw a line in the sand that says, we belong to you and we are empowered by your word to walk out in victory. Right across this room, Lord. Touch our hearts. Confirm in us your call, your word, your truth. And overwhelm us with your peace. Settle the storm in our lives. And may we rise in victory today. In Jesus' name we say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for... Following along with me this morning, I just invite Pastor James to come back. Thank you, brother.